What does effective evangelism look like? How can believers share their faith with other people? Join us for our next edition of Antioch Everywhere. I'm Dwayne Hawkins, your host and pastor of Antioch. Thanks for joining us. Today we're going to talk about effective evangelism by examining the people, the proclamation, the principles, the preparation, and the process of evangelism. But as always, before we get started, let's pause for the cause of praise. Let's get into the people. This answers the question, what is evangelism? So when we look in the New Testament, we won't find the actual word evangelism, but what we will find is a combination of words and phrases that when put together, they give us a clear biblical foundation for evangelism. The first phrase that I want to mention is the phrase, preach the gospel, preach the gospel. This phrase is found several times in the New Testament, and the meaning of the phrase has to do with the activity of announcing the good news or good tidings. So when we see the phrase, preach the gospel in the New Testament, it's referring to the activity of announcing the good news. The next word or phrase has to do with being a witness, and a witness is simply one who testifies as a martyr. Their testimony is firsthand experience of what they believe or what they are proclaiming, even to the point of death. So to be a witness is to give firsthand testimony, even though the outcome of that could possibly mean physical death. The last phrase, last word or phrase is evangelist. And this is a person who preaches or teaches the gospel. So these phrases preach the gospel, meaning the activity of announcing the good news, be witnesses unto me, which is one who testifies as a martyr. And then the third one, evangelist, is a person who preaches or teaches the gospel. When we summarize it and put it all together, I want to give you a simple working definition for evangelism. Evangelism is good news that is experienced and proclaimed. Simply put, evangelism is good news that is both experienced and proclaimed. Second point is evangelism is a spiritual gift. It is also a biblical office, but more generally, it is a command for all believers to follow. And it's that third aspect, the command for all believers, that forms the basis for the rest of our time today. So now that we've addressed the people in terms of what is evangelism, next let's move to the proclamation. In other words, what is the good news that is both experienced and proclaimed? I think the clearest place in Scripture that we can point to to help us understand what the good news is, is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. It says these words, 
For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Those two verses in 1 Corinthians 15 provide an excellent foundation for understanding the good news. Four aspects of that verse that I want to point out. The first one is that he died. How do we know he died? We know he died because he was buried. The second aspect, why did he die? What was the reason for the death of Christ? The verse says he died for our sins. He did it for us. The third part of that verse says that he rose. Question might ask, how do we know he rose? He rose because he was seen. The rest of the verses after that go on to talk about the appearances of the resurrected Jesus Christ. And then the fourth one is how do we know that this is true, that he died for our sins and that he rose again from the dead? What is the validation of this assertion? And the validation is found once again two times in this passage, according to the scriptures. And so when we put it all together, it simply means that the Bible says Christ died and rose for me. That's the gospel message. That is the good news. The Bible says Christ died and rose for me. That's the proclamation. Now let's move to what is the biblical foundation for evangelism. A few things that I want to share. The first one is that mankind was created good. Genesis 1, 26 and 27, and then verse 31 say these words. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. And then verse 31 says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Mankind was created good. The next principle is built off the first principle, and that is sin separates man from God. Notice what Romans 5 and 12 says. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Yeah, initially man was created good, but something happened. Sin entered the world. And sin entered the world through one man, the Bible says, and death as a result of that, and so on and so forth. Death spread to all men because all sin. That's the second principle of evangelism. The third one is built off of that. Christ, meaning Jesus Christ, is the only way to be reconciled to God. Yeah, the first one says mankind was created good, but sin separated man from God. And the third principle is that Christ is the only way to be reconciled 
to God. Notice what John 14, verse 6 says. He said unto him, this is Jesus talking, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Strong declaration of Jesus Christ being the only way that man can be reconciled to God, that man can be saved from their sins. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The last two principles are really kind of heads and tails of the same coin, if you were, and it really kind of gets at how this salvation comes about. The fourth principle says this, the Father draws unbelievers to Christ. An amazing principle of evangelism. The Father draws unbelievers to Christ. John 6 and 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. An incredible principle. And the other side of the coin is the fifth principle. Believers are empowered to witness for Christ and commanded to proclaim the good news of Christ. Believers are empowered to witness for Christ and commanded to proclaim the good news of Christ. In terms of being empowered to witness, Acts 1 and 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And in terms of proclaiming the good news, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says these words, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Those are the principles, the foundation, the biblical foundation for evangelism. Mankind was created good. Sin separated man from God. Christ is the only way for man to be reconciled back to God. The Father draws unbelievers to Christ, while at the same time believers are empowered to witness for Christ and commanded to proclaim the good news of Christ. Now let's move to the preparation. In other words, what can we do to prepare ourselves to proclaim this good news of the gospel, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. How can we prepare ourselves to share that good news? First way we can prepare ourselves is through our current experience. In other words, what's happening in our relationship with God at the very present moment. How Are you and I experiencing the gospel currently? That's an important step in the preparation to know that our relationship with the Lord is not just a past tense thing, that we experience the gospel over and over and over again. Not just the first time that we made the decision to accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, 
Yes, believers experience the gospel on a continual and repetitive basis. It's how spiritual growth takes place. And so we prepare to proclaim the good news through our current experience of the gospel in our lives. The second way we can prepare ourselves to proclaim the good news is through the study of Scripture, particularly regarding what the Bible says about sin, about Jesus, and about faith. That there are certain passages of Scripture that contain the essence of the teaching of sin and the person and work of Jesus and the role of faith in terms of faith being the only way that we would inherit salvation. And so knowing what those passages are and what they mean are critical in terms of our preparation to proclaim the good news. Along with studying scripture passages regarding sin, Jesus, and faith, I believe it's also important that we would prepare ourselves through an understanding and the ability to communicate those issues of sin, Jesus, and faith through biblical images. The saying goes, a picture is worth a thousand words. And when we can describe sin and describe the person and work of Jesus and describe faith by using images that oftentimes will help us to avoid theological jargon by just painting a picture of what those things are. For example, we might paint the picture of sin by talking about the illustration of a target or a bullseye. And if bullseye is perfection, sin is anything that falls short. It doesn't matter if you're closer to the bullseye than I am. We all fall short. Images of Jesus as redeemer, as reconciler, as healer, uh, help us to describe what Jesus does for us. And then images of faith, like sitting in a chair or taking a key and turning an ignition without checking the hood because it's what it's designed to do. All of those images, and there are many more that can be discovered and communicated, but understanding the biblical foundation and what Scripture has to say is only the first part of it. It helps to be able to communicate those through biblical images that can sink into the minds of the people that you're sharing with. And then the fourth thing that we can do to prepare ourselves, one is our current experience with the Lord through studying Scripture, through understanding and communicating biblical images. And then the last one is through your personal witness. In other words, how have you experienced the gospel in your past? This becomes critical because it lets the hearer know that the content of the gospel was relevant in your life. So being prepared to recount stories where there were challenges of faith or there were crises in life and you experienced the love of God and the message of the gospel and life-changing ways become critical to the hearer because it makes the gospel identifiable in their lives through your experience. So that's preparation, your current experience, studying scripture, biblical images for sin, for Jesus, and for faith, and then your personal witness, being able to share how you have experienced the gospel over and over in your life. Now let's spend some time talking about the process of evangelism. Well, it begins 
with developing relationships. Yeah, there's a time and a point for sharing the message of the gospel where you don't have opportunity to develop relationships over time, and you just may have to rely upon the teaching of Scripture and the biblical images uh, without having the benefit of getting to know the person and them sharing their hurts and pains, and then you being able to be a witness in terms of similar types of pains in your life. And there, there is a place and time for that, but I really want to focus in on the opportunity that we have to develop relationships with other people over a period of time. And so how do we do that? I, th- I think just plain and simple through our caring and through our sharing. We develop relationships or evangelistic relationships through the love of God that we display to other people not looking for results, just demonstrating the love of God through our care, through the meeting of needs, through ministering to them at the point of their need. And perhaps developing relationships is a natural outbirth of our Christian care. And then as that relationship develops, then there will become opportunity for you to be a witness, and that is to share how you have experienced the power of the gospel In your own life, I want to be careful to point out that developing relationships does not mean telling other people what they need to do. It's just your caring and your sharing, learning how to be a good listener, learning how to tell your own story, learning how to ask questions, learning how to demonstrate good Christian care is the best way to develop relationships that might lead to an opportunity to actually present the gospel message. And so the process is involving developing relationships and then presenting the gospel. But I want to talk for just a brief minute about when to present the gospel and then how to present the gospel. First, the when. You'll know when it's time, first of all, because you've been praying. You've been communicating with God. You've been interceding on behalf of this person that you're developing relationships and discovering their needs that only God can fill in their lives. And you want to be in tune with the work of the Holy Spirit and how the Father is drawing them to Christ. It happens through prayer and it happens through listening. And so ideally, as you're developing relationships, as you're caring, as you're sharing, Uh, your witness in terms of how you have experienced the power of the gospel in your own life, and just doing a good job of listening and continuing to care and to asking good questions and getting at underlining issues, which ultimately will uncover the need that only God can fill in their lives. When you listen well after praying and developing relationships, what you're listening for is people will actually get to a point where they will ask you, what can I do to get what you have? In the book of Acts, in the second chapter, when Peter preached that initial sermon with the power of the Holy Spirit, when he got done, the people said, brothers, what shall we do? There's another episode in the New Testament where the individuals who were encountering the men of God, they said, What must I do to be saved? And so if you're praying and you're listening well, ideally you'll wait for them to ask you what it is they must do 
to have this same relationship that you're a witness to in your life, in their lives. And so when that happens, how do we actually present the gospel? First of all, we want to keep it simple. We want to focus on Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. We want to keep it simple, but we also want to keep it personalized. Being able to communicate who Jesus is and being able to communicate what sin looks like in ways that are personalized to the story of the person that you're evangelizing really helps to make the gospel personalized. So we want to do it by keeping it simple and keeping it personalized. And then the third step in the process is what do we do after we present the gospel? In other words, how do we respond to their response? A couple things to keep in mind. If you share the message of the gospel and you got good indication that they wanted to hear how it is that they can experience the same thing that you've experienced and you've told them very plainly and simply and in personalized images backed by the teaching of Scripture about the reality of sin and the person and work of Jesus Christ and the role of faith, and they decide, thank you, but no thank you. How do we respond to a no response? Well, it's actually simple. Just keep caring, keep sharing, and don't tell. Keep caring, keep sharing, but don't tell them what to do. And we'll leave the results up to the Lord. If you share the message of the gospel and they say, yes, I want to make the same decision that you made, then what happens next? And we need to be prepared to talk to them about baptism, about local church membership, and about discipleship. How do we begin this process of learning more about this Christ that we believe in, that we would be changed and that we would be imitators and the process of being conformed to the image of his son? I'm really talking about discipleship. So as I prepare to wrap things up for today, I just want to close by saying, be ready. There's an important scripture passage that I want to share with you that really communicates that message. First Peter chapter three and verse 15 says these words, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Be ready always, the text says. Be ready always to experience the good news in your life and to share it with others. Be ready always with an understanding of what the good news is all about. Be ready always with a biblical foundation for sharing the good news. Be ready always with adequate preparation to share the good news. Be ready always with a solid process for sharing the good news. And last but not least, be ready always to leave the results of sharing the good news to God. That's all for today. Join us next time for another episode of Antioch Everywhere. If you'd like to join or support Antioch Everywhere, you can contact us through our church website, www.weareantiochomaha.org. And may the peace of God be unto you.